I was, I was listening to a sermon this week, and they were, they were saying that, that, that John Calvin, famous theologian, right? John Calvin wrote a series of like 150 sermons on the book of Job. And I'm like, oh, man, that just sounds so depressing. He told, he told about this guy, this guy, he was, he was preaching. He said, he said there was, a, there was a, a pastor back in the day in London, John Owen, and he preached for 23 years on the book of Job, 23 years. You talk about a church in Smallment campaign. I mean, that would hurt your church growth. I'm just saying. Can you imagine? You, get, you just get, you hear enough sermons on Job, and you're like, man, I got to find another church. I got to find another church. And you come back 10 years later, and he's still going in Job. I'm just saying. I, to, to me, Job is like, you better power through that thing. You better just power through, just binge it. Because really, it starts hard and it gets harder. And it's not till you get to the end that you find hope. It's not till the end that things start to make sense. So if you stop in the middle, bless your heart. Mm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you just got to power through. Because here's the thing, here's a picture I want to invite you into when you think about the book of Job. If you've been reading with us, if you've been reading with us and, and, and we've been trying to have this hope in exile kind of time like so so how do you live when you're between the answers how do you live when you're in between the times when God shows up in your life and says oh here's what you didn't know here's how this makes sense here's here's why this is what do you what, how do you live in between those times how do you live in between those times so just picture if you would you, do you know do you know like a a Persian rug or or or, or one of those old tapestries you know, you know what I'm talking about it's a woven piece of artwork. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, this is going to take longer if you don't help me out. You know what I'm talking about? Tapestries. Okay, so, so picture this. Picture this, okay? If you, look, if you look at the underside, if you look at the underside of one of those beautiful rugs, or if you look at the backside of one of those tapestries, right? And you can kind of get a sense of what it's trying to tell you. You can kind of get a sense of, oh, this is probably, you know, this and, and this piece over here. And you can get a, a general sense of the colors. And you can get a general sense of the outline. You can get a general sense of what it's a picture of. But it's only when you get on top of that beautiful Persian rug. It's only when you, when you see it from the front side that all the pieces come together and it starts to make sense. You know, you know what I'm saying? Well, here's the thing about the book of Job. You get, you get two scenes. You get two scenes going on, and Job can only see what's going on from the underside. Job can only see what he can see when he looks up, and there's a thread hanging here, and there's, a, there's, this, there's this knotted piece over here, and there's some of the colors, but they're not as rich, and they're kind of faded, and they're kind of blotchy, and I don't really know what's going on or why my life is doing what my life seems to be doing, and it's only from the upper side that it starts to make sense. Does that, does that, can I just give you that picture? Because, because I want us to talk about how do you live in those in-between times? How do you live that life in exile? There's this, there's this line from the opening chapter of Job that just sort of sets it up. And I love the way, I love the resilience that goes with that. A friend of mine just used that word with me a few minutes ago. The resilience 
that comes in the life of Job when he's suffered what no one can suffer, when he's endured what no one can endure. And, and, and Job comes down to this line. He says, look, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will return. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that's not always something you feel, even if it's something you know. Yeah? And so Job makes this choice. It says this. It says this. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Why have you let this happen to me? Why have you done this to me? Why have you, why have you allowed my life to take on this kind of, of, of tenor and, and this kind of tone? Why have you, why have you done this to me? Why me? Why now? Why this? You know? In all of this, Job did not sin. Now, I'm not saying Job didn't think those things. In fact, if you've been reading along, you know that Job went to some pretty dark places. I'm not saying there weren't other people who told Job, who told Job, Job, there's a reason why this is happening to you, man. And I just got to say, I just got to say from personal experience, frequently in my life when bad things happen, if I look, I can find a reason. Frequently, frequently, when my life gets sideways, it's because I got sideways first. Can anybody relate to that? Frequently, I suffer the normal, natural consequences of my behavior. Frequently. And isn't that how we as parents long to teach it to our kids? Look, if you hadn't have done that, then this wouldn't be happening now. The reason why you're grounded is because... Right? And we try to tie, we try to tie the behavior and the consequences together so that it makes sense, yeah? Because we long to make sense of our lives and we want our kids to make sense. We want our kids to be able to get traction with it. That's how you grow. That's how you that's how you learn what not to do next time, yeah? But there are other times. There are other times when as hard as I might try. My life's not making sense. Anybody? There are times, there are times when the, when the hard parts have nothing to do with what I did or said. But it's the people around me whose consequences I am enduring right along with them. And there are other times, there are other times when, when bad things happen and, and it's it's the fault of people I don't even know, who don't even know me, and I feel anonymous, and I feel invisible, and I feel like I'm just kind of a victim of circumstances. Keep in mind that, that, that two-tiered understanding of the book of Job, because all I can see is what I can see from the bottom looking up, Yeah? And I want to invite you into, into some things to just chew on and think about, and then in a few minutes, we'll come back together. i got to tell you, I've had the incredible privilege today already just, just, to, just to pray with some people who would just say, you know what, mm. I, just, I just need something. Don't even know what I need, I just, I just need something, okay? So here's some questions I want to invite you into. So that line where it says, yet in all of this, Yet in all of this, Job did not sin. What have you lost? Because I know you've lost. What have you lost? Who? Who have you lost? 
And it's one thing, it's one thing when, when there are people that you've lost and you've grieved, and I know it's hard. I mean, I mean we see it when we, have, when we have a funeral here in the church and, and, and the people, they come, and I don't know what to say to my friend who's lost someone that he loves, and, you know, what have you lost? Who? Who have you lost? And can I tell you something? I mean, we, we, see, we see miracle stories growing out of that grief share ministry. Because, because suddenly someone gets this, oh, I don't have to go through this alone kind of heart, you know? What have you lost? Who have you lost? Because some losses feel natural and normal. It's just sort of the chronological order of things. But some losses get way out of whack. Sometimes instead of kids losing their parents, parents lose their kids and it just doesn't seem right. Sometimes, sometimes things get real messed up because some of the people you lose don't die. They just leave. And the promises that they made about your future, about their future, about your future together, they're just gone. And yet you still run into the people at the grocery store that you lost. And there's something just really wrong about that. What have you lost? Who? Who have you lost? Now, now here's, here's where, if you're not careful, you're going to turn me off because you're going to think I'm just going to get churchy on you. But let me just ask you this. What you've lost and who you've lost, can it be redeemed? And you may say, well, of course, you're going to say it can be redeemed because you're a preacher. Well, let me just, just sit with me in this for a little bit. Can it be redeemed? Is there some way that God can that God can do something with this, and, and can there be life on the other side of what you've lost and who you've lost? Can there be life on the other side? We're, we'll see in, in a few minutes. If you go to the very end of the book of Job, it'll say, look, after all this happened, after all this happened with Job, he lives another 140 years. And God restores so much of what was taken from him. Now, now there's only... That only holds so much water because he had lost some who's that don't just get replaced by bringing in another who. But here's the thing. You don't know. You don't know. And I don't know because all I can see is from the underside. You don't know if you're in chapter 5 of a 20-chapter book or if you're in chapter 20 of a 20-chapter book. You know what I'm saying? You don't know. You don't know how much life there is on the other side of whatever it is is. And so I want to invite you to chew on those things. Chew on those things as we, as we go a little bit farther. So, so you remember the story. You've been reading it. Maybe you haven't been reading it. Maybe, honestly, maybe we came to Job and you were keeping up really well in the reading and you were like, you know what? I know what this story is about and I just don't have the heart to read it. There may, and, and, and you know what? I get you. I get you. Because it's a hard story to hear. Because Job, Job is meant from the top side, from the top side. Here's what, here's what God says about Job. Now, now, Job doesn't know this is what God is saying about him. But this is what God is saying about Job. There was once a man named Job who lived in the land of us. He was blameless. He was a man of complete integrity. He feared God, and he stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters and sheep and camels and oxen and donkeys. He had, he had everything. In fact, in fact here, here's what you could see from the bottom side if you were looking. You would see that, that he was, in fact, 
verse 3, he was in fact the richest person in that entire area, the richest person in the world as we know it. And everybody knows if you've got the most stuff, God likes you best, right? If only it was that easy to keep score, but it's not, but it's not. Remember, remember, let this, let this minister to you. God really loves you. Even if it doesn't feel right now like God really loves you. Even if, it feels, if, even if you, you may be saying, Rusty, if God really loved me, if God really loved me, I wouldn't be going through what I'm going through. If God really loved me, I wouldn't have gone through all that I have gone through if God really loved me. Because you know the story of Job, in spite of all of his wealth and all of his possessions and all of his family. You know the thing I love about Job with respect to his family? It says this, here's the kind of family. It's not just that Job had a big family. Lots of people have big families. It says this about Job's family. His sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes, and they would also invite their three sisters to come and celebrate with them. And when the celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning. He would offer burnt offerings for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. The thing that I love about that is, is Job doesn't take anything for granted. He's got kids, and his kids get along with each other. Can you imagine? He's got kids, and his kids get along with They actually love each other. They actually treasure time together. But he doesn't take it for granted. And he doesn't even take for granted, even though his kids are good people. He says, you know what? I, just, I, I, don't, I don't want to be presumptuous, and so I'm going to do everything I can, even though my kids are grown, to set them up for the most success they can possibly have before the Lord. He's not taking anything for granted. He's not being presumptuous. But in spite of all of that, in spite of all of that, it says there was a day, there was a day when a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabaeans raided and they stole all the animals and they killed all the farmhands and I'm the only one left who's escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, while he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. And I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. And I'm the only one who escaped to tell you everything Job had was gone. Everything. Everything. I was talking to a brother just, just recently, and he said, you know what? I, just, I became aware that even if I lost all that I had, as long as I still had my family, I would have all that I need. And yet while that last messenger was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news, your sons and daughters. They were feasting in their oldest brother's home and suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and it hit the house on all sides and the house collapsed and all your children are dead and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. You know, it's one thing if the Sabaeans or the Chaldeans, they come and they, and they take and they steal and they kill because you could hate the Sabaeans. And you could hate the Chaldeans, people who do you that way, who do the people you love that way. 
But you know what we call those moments when something happens, something terrible happens, and you can't explain it any other way except to say it was an... It, it, they write it into the insurance policies, right? An act of God. What happens? What happens when you can't even explain that? Stephanie... As she was reading this week, she said, I found a verse in the book of Job, and I just love it. I just love it. i got to share this one with you. It's in, it's in Job chapter 16, verse 21. Because, because here's the thing. Job needed something, and he didn't know what it was he needed exactly. Didn't know that God had already made the way for it. Job needed, it says in, in Job 16, 21, I need someone to mediate between God and me as a person mediates between friends. And Stephanie said to me, she said, it feels like Job needed the Holy Spirit and he didn't know where to find the Holy Spirit. It feels like the New Testament is just, just sort of erupting at a spot in the Old Testament. Something that we have when, the Holy, when Jesus said, my spirit, I leave with you. Something that we have when Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, right? Job needed that, but he didn't have it. At least he didn't know that he had it. And it's just this longing that shows up. I need someone to mediate between God and me as a person mediates between friends. Because honestly, Job had gone to some pretty dark places. In his mind, with all this, he had gone to some pretty dark places. I was reading further and I came across another one. In, in, in Job chapter 19, it's just, just a couple of chapters later, where Job says, as for me, as for me, he says, I know that my Redeemer lives and he will stand upon the earth at last after my body has decayed, yet in my body I will see God. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes, and I'm overwhelmed at the thought. And it's like, it's like Job is saying, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. And the thought struck me. Job's got this one-person trinity. He knows who God is. Right? He knows who God is. God is this far-off entity that I can't know and I can't see and I can't fathom the depths of. His ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I can't understand what he's up to. What Job didn't have is, is a God who would meet him in his pain and in his brokenness. At least that's how it felt. And it may feel that way to you. It may feel that way to you. And I just want you to know you don't have to suffer like Job suffered alone. You don't have to suffer what Job suffered in the absence of the God who will be with you. The one who knows you by name, knows the hairs on your head, knows the thoughts and intents of your heart. I need, I need a mediator. I need, and, and actually, actually, it goes back to a word that, that Ethan was teaching us about in the book of, in the book of Ruth. Uh, it goes back to a, a, that word, that kinsman redeemer word. Someone who can come to my rescue. I need someone who can walk with me through this fire. I need someone who will come to my rescue. Job needed a Holy Spirit, and Job needed a Jesus. 
And we've got it all over Job because we've got the Holy Spirit and we've got Jesus. But in the midst of it, we still sometimes find ourselves in that same place Job found himself when in chapter 3 he says, I wish I had never been born. My life has gotten that bad. Three of Job's friends came to him. I don't know if you remember this part of the story. There were three people who knew about Job and found out about his problem. And we all need friends like this. When, his, when three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy that he had suffered, they got together and they traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. They didn't wait for a phone call. They didn't wait for somebody. They didn't wait for something to show up on the prayer chain. They didn't wait, they didn't wait for somebody to to pick up the phone and say, hey, can you come help me? I need your help. No, no, no. They just, they, just, they just packed up and they went. They just packed up and they went. You need friends like that, don't you? You need friends like that. People tell us so many times, you know, that when they'll, they'll, they'll be like, I just don't know what to say to her in the midst of this kind of loss. I just don't know what to say to him in this kind of loss. I just don't know what to say. I love him. I love him. And I know he's hurting. And I know it's brutal. But I just want to show up at the visitation long enough to sign the book and slip away. Because I don't know what to say. Job's three friends, they came from a long way off. And when they saw him, they didn't even recognize him. The grief had changed his countenance. You ever, had, you ever known anybody for whom grief has changed their countenance? You've known that, haven't you? you maybe you've been that person. Maybe you've been that person. You just, their coloring's not the same. They just, nothing's right. Everything's flat. Don't know, and, and they didn't even recognize him, it says. But they came and they began to weep with him. They began, they tore their robes with him. They sat there in the dust with him. And no one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. And they sat there and they sat there and they sat there in the in the Hebrew traditions, in the Jewish traditions, there's that, that business of sitting shiva with someone. And you don't have to say anything. You just come. And it's a ministry of presence. And you just, you just, you just be there for the person you love who can't make sense of the chapter that they're in in their life right now. You just come and you just, you're just present with the person that you love who honestly doesn't know if what they're enduring right now can be redeemed, doesn't know, doesn't know if there can be life after this loss. And you're just with them. And they lean on your faith. They borrow your faith for a little bit. But here's the thing. We Christians, sometimes when we don't know what to say, it doesn't keep us from saying something. Yeah? And Christians sometimes say dumb things. We sometimes say really dumb things. And, and then, and then, and, and that's what's going on in the book of Job. If you were watching Jason's video, just trying to help you, you, you got to understand who's speaking and how the dialogue works. Because everything, every one of those guys had to say, every one of those pieces had a kernel of truth, but it wasn't the truth. And Job himself, he started defending his own heart, and he was like, and what he said was true, but it wasn't the truth. And finally, God comes to Job, and this is the last thing anybody expected, right? Because you heard from Eliphaz, and you heard from Elihu, and you heard from all these guys, and Job would answer back. But finally, God shows up, and he says, who is this? Who is this that questions my wisdom? That's what I'm saying. This is not a story, you wanna, this is not a story that you want to break up and serialize. This is one you want to binge watch. 
because it doesn't make sense if you stop in the middle. It only makes sense when you come down to the part where God says, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you. I have some questions for you. Where were you? Where were you when I set the earth's foundations? Where were you? Where were you when I established the waters? Where were you? Where were you? You you must know. You must know where I keep the lightning bolts stored ready for the thunderstorm. Where were you? And how will you? And surely you must know. And I love the way it comes down to Job saying this because I've been here. I, I have had times when I felt like the Lord was saying this to me. Job chapter 40. Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You who are God's critic, do you have the answers? And Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? And Job says, I will cover my mouth with my hand. I will cover my mouth with my hand. Job 40, verse 4. I have said too much already. He says it, he says it again, just, a, just another chapter or so away. He says, he says, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. And you asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I, Lord. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back Everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. Here's the deal, y'all. Here's the deal. There's just things that I will never understand this side of heaven. There are just things that from my underside of the tapestry I can't make sense of. There are things that maybe in his wisdom and in his sovereignty God will reveal to me when I see him face to face. You ever had that time when somebody says, when I get to heaven, I got a few questions I want to ask the man upstairs. Can I tell you something? If your knees can hold you up when you stand face to face with God, you go right ahead and ask your questions. I've got a feeling, I've got a feeling that we will know when we are known. I've got a feeling that all the questions that have troubled me for so long will sort of of, uh, evaporate like puddles in the sun. And I think, I think if there are some questions that I honestly still have, once God has dealt with my attitude, I wouldn't be surprised if he gives me the opportunity to say, Lord, I just, may I ask you about, you know, and I got a feeling maybe if I come with the right kind of heart, maybe God will say, you know what? Sure, we can talk about that. But in the meantime, There are a lot more times that I need to just put my hand over my mouth because it's way above my pay grade. Because there are things that I just can't know from down here that I will only know from up there. And I don't even know. I don't even know. If I'm in chapter 5 or in chapter 25, and I don't know what it would take for God to redeem what I honestly wish had never happened or what you wish had never happened I don't know what it'll take to redeem that and I don't know what life is going to look like on the other side of that tragedy the kind of tragedy 
that even if there's a life on the other side of it, you will always carry the scars. But even those scars become part of your story of redemption. So what have you lost? Who have you lost? What kind of grieving have you had to grieve? And you haven't yet lived into that next part where Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Lord, I know the mourning. I haven't found the comfort yet. Who have you lost? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a minute? What have you lost of your ability to provide for the people you love in your career? And maybe it's not just the who, it's the what that you needed for the people you love. Rusty, you, you may say, Rusty, you don't even know what I'm facing when I walk into the office tomorrow morning. Rusty, you don't understand what I've had to settle for. You don't understand what I've had to swallow. You're right, I don't. But God does. And I don't know why. And you might not ever know why. But if you have the help the God who could meet you in your brokenness, that Holy Spirit who could come as a, a counselor, a comforter, a convictor of sin, and one who can be a mediator between your heart and the heart of the Father. If you have somebody, somebody like Jesus, who could come to your rescue, be your redeemer, then maybe, just maybe, you can say with Job, the Lord has given. Would you stand with me? And the Lord has taken away. Lord, in Jesus' name, I choose to bless the name of the Lord. And I will not lay at your feet what I can't explain. 